Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. Well, it's hard to believe that we are actually up to show number 75 on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome to Middle Age Warriors. This is generally the time where I say, I'm Rick and he's Chris. I'm still Rick and he's still Chris, but Chris is actually uh, absent today. We gave him the uh, the week off, so he is hopefully lying on a beach in sunny uh, somewhere in the Caribbean. We'll just leave it at that. And we're going to have a very special guest. As a matter of fact, you've already heard her voice. You've heard her join us on the show before. And she is going to pinch hit a la the old days when Regis used to have Joy, his wife, babysit him when his co-host, whether it was Kathy Lee or Kelly or whoever it was, couldn't join him. Joy would pinch hit and sit in with Regis and Valerie Smaldone, my better half, is actually going to join us after we hear from one of our treasured sponsors, Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile version to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. B L E A V 50. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. I think you have me sold. Now, Valerie, we'd like to welcome you as a guest again. And not to mention our voice of God and our voice of authority. Thank you for opening our show as you do every week. And thank you for reading Bet Online for us. Oh, I'm happy to. I'm happy to. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to sit in for the fabulous Chris. Yeah. Uh, on this cold December day, as Chris is basking in the sun somewhere, but I'm happy to. How are you, Rick? I'm good. Can you believe we're on the on the verge of Christmas? Well, you know, this year, like last went by in a zenith, right? It just came and went like a shooting star. Everybody's saying the same thing. I think our sense of time is so warped now. You don't remember what month it is, what season it is. Luckily, we are in the Northeast, so we know there are definitions of season. But if you live in a warm weather area, every day is the same. (laughs) So I don't know if you know what month you're in. It's difficult. It's been that kind of a year. Do you wake up and ask yourself, what is today? Yes. As do I. Yes. Uh, yeah, more uh, what is today? Where am I? <laughs> that's, that's another thing. Where am I? Where and for am you? I? Yeah. And for you, I mean, you are probably one of the busiest people I've ever met in my life and will be busy till the day that you can no longer or no longer want to be busy. I just don't know how you manage to handle everything that you do, especially you know, at this time of year, which is typically frantic, frenetic, and just without any organization whatsoever. 
well, of course, everybody, myself included, has been helped a great deal through online everything. So when you cannot go someplace to buy whatever you need, even if it's home stuff, you know, we have every opportunity now that the pandemic accelerated the idea of home everything. So home entertainment is available to us, food from the supermarkets or the different services, the Amazon people, all of this <laughs> created the opportunity for ease. Now, remember the old days when we used to say the people of the Amazon? Yeah. Now it's the Amazon people. The Amazon people. <laughs> but what, what, what it's done, you know, as well as given us great convenience, it's changed the face of retail. And I don't yeah. take that lightly when I speak about it because the, especially the smaller stores, you know, are feeling it this year. So I do still try to shop locally whenever possible um, to support our local retailers because they are the, the bread and butter of America and we don't want to skip over them. It's just the idea of convenience. So you mentioned being so, so, so busy. That does help a great deal. Well, it's really interesting as well because you and I have had this discussion, not here, but over a glass of great wine or even mediocre wine. But the fact that the workforce and our trends and our patterns have changed so greatly and the fact that people do not want to go back to work, which I feel is really a direct result of people going through the pandemic for the past couple of years, for the past 18 months anyway, here in America and reassessing their lives. What's your thought? Without a doubt, I think that most of us never had the opportunity to actually sit in an uncertain place. And this is what the pandemic has done. I mean, it's, it's ravaged us through the, the, the disease and the you know, death and all the destruction and, of course, uh, the, the finances and economics. But what it did allow us to do was do something people, humans don't like to do is be uncertain. So we were sitting and still are sitting in uncertainty. And what that means is our calendars that were always filled, the boxes that were always, you know, scrawled in are, are no longer valid because sure, you can make a plan and we do, but there's always the idea that it may not happen because some kind of variant will spark or the, the, the spikes will happen or things will get shut down. So now as a society, as a world, we're sitting in uncertainty and that provides opportunity for self-reflection. People are now saying, what do I really want to do with my life? Life is so fragile. We've seen healthy people, healthy, in shape, great, you know, great health pass from this virus. So it, it's shaken us in a way. And I think that's a good thing that happened. That's the, the consciousness that has come from this, has created opportunity for people. And so with that, people are saying, I don't know that I want to be in a job where I'm in a fluorescent office nine to five, and I don't really have relationships with my coworkers. What else can I do with my life? That has caused a domino effect in our world. And from the truckers to the people offloading at the docks, to store clerks, to anything along those lines are being reassessed. It's a very interesting, I mean, I look at it as almost an observer. It's a very interesting time to see how people have reacted. You and I often talk, Rick, about how individuals, you know, approach this uncertainty. 
what is it like when you wake up and you said, I, I have a plan, but I don't know if the theater will be open tonight or will the restaurants be there? We don't know uh, what's happening tomorrow, really. Every day is a different story. And that's another unique experience. People just don't know how to react to that. Do you agree? I totally agree. And it's funny because I'm thinking back to, and I can't tell you the exact day because I've lost track of it, but when Wicked reopened on Broadway and you were so kind and generous to take me uh, because that's such a special show to us, we thought, you know what? We're getting back to normal. And it seems to me like that's forever in the distance already. Now, how has New York City changed? Is New York City any better than it was a year ago? What's your take as a lifelong New Yorker and somebody who really knows the ins and outs and vibrance of this city, but it really is applicable across the board America? Well, I, first of all, I think the date was September 14th that Wicked and three shows reopened the same day. Hamilton, Wicked, I think The Lion King all opened. They were the first big shows to open on the same day. And it was like celebrations all over town, right? Everybody was so excited. But getting back to normal, I think, is is a fantasy. That's not going to happen. There is no there is no other world again. The, the pre-pandemic is not going to come back. It's just not. What is that good, bad? No, it's it's just a fact. What we have to, I believe, become adjusted to is living with this virus that is going to continue. It's a smart little bugger. It's going to continue to morph. I mean, it's fascinating. It's fascinating how this thing, <laughs> this whatever it is, which we never even thought about a virus really before of, of this magnitude, how it's going to continue to morph. So virologists have talked about it. Scientists have talked about it, but people don't want to hear that. And they get frustrated and angry with the government as if, you know, the, the government can only do so much. And it's maybe we've had missteps along the way for sure. But still, this is something that is, as they say, novel. It's not happened before and it's difficult to track. So the normal of before will not happen. New York, like the country and the world, I mean, talk to anybody from any big city around the world, is wounded. It's wounded. It has been shot through, I'm not going to say the heart, but some limb that indicates blight, right? So when you walk around the city and you see all these shops closed and abandoned buildings, nothing's going in, nothing's happening, it's scary and it's sad. I do not believe this is going to be it forever. I think we just have to weather this storm in all of the country. We always are resilient. People, humans, I'm not going to say Americans, just humans are resilient. Otherwise, we can't go on. We're going to have to weather this tough time again for a while, and there'll always be innovation. Technology will always figure things out, and little by little, we'll start to rebuild. What I can say is just in speaking to people from around the country, that New York is doing better than other parts of the country, yeah. unbelievably. You know, I think it's the garbage piling up is horrendous. I think that the, uh, you know, the, the retail is, is obviously struggling, but what I'm hearing from visitors is we are doing better than other parts of the country, certainly in the testing of COVID having these mobile vans all over the areas. You just, you know, walk up and get a test is fantastic. 
and other parts of the country, they don't have that opportunity that we have. No, so there's some good stuff going on. It's really interesting because we were at a show uh, on Broadway just uh, a few nights ago, and you were sitting next to um, some tourists who were into town and wanted to see the show. And, and I don't need you to mention the specific city unless you feel comfortable doing that. But the fact is they were from California and they couldn't believe how good New York was still. You used the word before wounded, which is, is such a good word because I think about a wounded animal or a wounded boxer, how they're knocked off their feet and they're staggering and trying to find a place to sit down and catch their breath. And I think that wounded is a really good word. I think the world's been wounded, but specifically, I think that New York has been wounded. But I was fascinated by what uh, these out-of-towners who came into our city uh, had to say to you in person the other night in the theater. Yeah, and I was astonished as well. Um, but then I think about it, you know, we have really galvanized and we're a city that's packed together, right? So if you are spread out, California or, you know, Arizona, those cities, they're spread out cities. We are packed in. So it made sense to have these wonderful mobile vans. I've used, taken advantage of them. I've complimented them. I said, this is a brilliant idea hmm. that you can just walk up to outdoors, a mobile van. Now, now there are lines. <laughs> yeah. I went at Thanksgiving and I, I walked right up, but now there are lines and uh, we have this opportunity. So there are good things happening. You know, I know it's so difficult to see the light and I too go through these dark moments, but I think what I'm most appreciative of is the resilience of people that you get up in the morning feeling crappy, you know, saying, when is this over? Uh, my plans are changing again, but we're able to get past that and still make our toast and coffee and um, be creative on some level. And I think the creativity of people, and I don't mean like artists necessarily, but the creativity mm -hmm. of being able to move forward despite bad times is a human trait. And we have to celebrate that. that that's the one thing that I hold on to is resilience for all of us. Well, the one thing I, I think of uh, is our friends in the restaurant business here in New York who have been incredibly resilient, not to mention patient and uh, scared beyond belief at uh, their life investment and their time and, and everything else, and not to mention their energy and their emotion. But during the pandemic initially, when people uh, were resilient enough to say, all right, so people can't come inside. So we're going to set up outside. And now when you look at New York City, it's interesting because it seems like there are more outside dining areas than there are Dwayne Reeds in New York, which is a, a pretty tough number to top, but speaks to the resilience and the innovation of restaurateurs and the like that make up the fabric of uh, New York residents. Yeah. And entrepreneurs, you know, I always love to watch stories about business and entrepreneurs and how they pivot. And that really is a sign of success when you're able to say, okay, this isn't working out. We have to pivot and do something else. And so many people, small businesses that were really struggling, found a different way to um, skate to the puck to use an expression you like, to find their audience. Thank you. Right. And to get to the right people 
to sell their product or their food or whatever it is that they were selling. That's what delights me the most is when I see that innovation and that uh, the pivoting that people do, companies have to do, individuals have to do, families have to do. Listen, it is a tough time. And I do believe that we have yet to express the PTSD that we will be going through at some point, which is why I am engaging in producing a play that will open next spring, summer after, you know, some time that is about this human condition of how people reacted to the pandemic. And (laughs) what we like to say about this play that will be opening, how do ordinary people react to extraordinary circumstances? And then you could go back to 9-11 and look at uh, what the people of New York did to come together through that. But this is different because there we had an enemy that we could actually focus on. And now it's, while we do have an enemy, it's a lot of people are looking at one another, whether they be Republicans or Democrats or, or New Yorkers or, or Houstonians. They're looking at a line of division that we didn't see 20 years ago. Back then it was all for one, one for all. Right. And now it feels a little more uh, self-important uh, for survival standpoint. Uh, let me just remind everybody, you're listening to Middle Age Warriors. And our special guest today, filling in for Chris, is my better half, the adorable, the beautiful, and the incredibly talented Valerie Smaldon. We're going to be back to hear more about Valerie and how everything has impacted what she does for a living after this. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. Now, they have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off price so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Do we get samples? Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Believe has not antied up any free samples on Lightbox diamonds for us, but if they do... You will be the second to know, or maybe the third, because <laughs> Chris will probably know first. I am so glad to have you on board with with me as we sit here and get ready for Christmas in just a few days. It's interesting because when you think back to where we were a year ago, where we were really in uncharted territory, this year it's kind of like, yeah, we've been through this. We kind of know what to do. I think about Christmas in New York and what do you see that's different? What do you see that disturbs you? What do you see that makes you smile? Well, the tree in Rock Center is pretty much the same looking tree every year. You know, <laughs> It's always consistent. It's always there, which is nice. I have seen, I will tell you this, Rick, I ended up driving down Fifth Avenue the other day and I was really pleased at how beautiful 
the merchants on fifth made, made it look, you know, there's some beautiful lights and sparkly things that I had not seen before. So I think people are really making an effort to lift spirits and that's made me smile and laugh. The restaurants are beautifully decorated. You know, Rolf's for anybody who doesn't know Rolf's in New York, it's a tradition they're on third Avenue and 20, like 21st street, something like this. What and is it's Rolf's? A, Rolf's is a German restaurant that okay. decorates beyond decoration. It's every inch of the ceiling is decorated with bulbs and old fashioned ornaments. Right. So it's a very heavily decorated place. And people used to stand out on the line out, out on the street on line for hours just to get in. Well, during the pandemic, it was closed. You know, they closed it and I thought it was over. I said, oh no, Rolf's is out of business. They reopened. And if you ever do come to New York and you don't know this, it's a place you have to see. And they, they keep the decorations up year round, but it doesn't pack the punch, <laughs> of course, until the, until the holidays, they can't take it down. It's just so much stuff in there. And it's a traditional German restaurant that is just beautifully decorated for the holidays. So I'm so happy Rolf's is back one example. And little by little, Sardi's is reopening. You know, some of the restaurants are coming back. Yeah, we don't know what's going to be, but I don't think, and I'm knocking on, do I have wood here? I don't have wood. I got I have, it. Okay. Knock on wood that okay. there will not be closures again and mm. that we will just soldier through and figure this thing out. And, um, you know, all of the mandates people, that's a hot button for many people. Of course, the, the idea is for safety. The idea is for to protect everybody. This is the best weapon we have to keep people as protected as possible and live their lives. Now, you may not agree with that. You may say, hey, I'll do the shots, but I don't want to be mandated there. We can debate this forever. We can debate this forever. And I'm not interested in doing that, but I'm just saying that structure that we're in is trying its best to allow people to live their lives and stay protected and not get sick. Now. What I just heard today is that this variant, although it is extraordinarily virulent in that it, it spreads very easily, it's not as dangerous as the other ones. It has yet to be seen because it's still early in the game. But that's what we are thinking and hoping is the case, which would be a nice little break. Let's talk about how everything in the past 18 months has uh, affected your ability to make a living or do what you did. And I'm alluding to not radio because you haven't done that in a while, uh, a little while it seems, but your voice of God work. And if you would be so kind as even to explain what that term means. Voice of God has nothing to do with religion <laughs> at all. It is actually a term <clears throat> used in production for live events for that voice that you hear, the disembodied voice, thus the voice of God, or we say VOG, that you hear, ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, and you introduce people to stage. And for award shows, for example, when you hear the Tonys or the Grammys or the Oscars, that voice will give you a little background on the person who won or the person who's coming to the stage. It, it's a very a wonderful job. And I've, it's a specific job. It's a niche job. Not everybody has the skill set to do it because it's live announce at a live event that oftentimes changes on a dime. 
This past September, I have a client that is a, how do I describe this client? They are a think tank that brings together people from around the world to help solve the world's problems. So you have heads of state, you have presidents, you have NGOs, you have corporate people that are participating. And it was a four-day job for me. And that was great, but that's just one client. Most of my jobs went away because they're live, live events by the nature. Obviously, last March, you know, one by one, all of my 15 jobs canceled. Also, my hosting jobs because I do live event hosting as a professional paid host. So all that stuff went away. A couple came through, but not nearly the scale that I had before. So that surely affected my my life. Yes, many people went to virtual. And yes, I was able to procure a few of those jobs. But I do love live events. I still love live events. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm hoping that in time, we'll be back to the way we were, but they'll all most likely be hybrid events, meaning virtual slash live. Those people who wish to attend will be there in the house. And then there'll be people online as well. So I've done a few of those too. Last week, we had the gift of talking with Chris Quimby, who is um, a former broadcaster who's kind of on the sidelines a little bit older now. Um, And I asked Chris, though I didn't get to do it on the air or during our our recording of Middle Age Warriors, but I'm going to position you in the same place. As an interviewer, which you and Chris are both known for, you've both interviewed some of the the biggest newsmakers and names that we know publicly. I wanted to ask you, what's it like being on the other side, having me throw questions at you? I used to hate it. I just felt very uncomfortable being an interviewee. But in time, in the last few years, I've been interviewed quite a bit. And I feel a little bit more comfortable being transparent and honest. You know, I think um, my training as a broadcaster slash personality, whatever, was always to be impartial and to be uh, observant and observer. And now I'm masked for my opinion, right? And I always wonder, will I offend somebody or will I say something that's off, you know, in today's social media world? everything's up for grabs. Right. Um, So that made me uncomfortable, but I've gotten a little bit more used to it. But to answer your question, given the choice, I'm always the interviewer. That's, that's in my blood. I love it. I love getting people's stories. I love asking the questions and it uh, relates back to my youth when my dad would come home late at night because he was a photographer and we had uh, Johnny Carson on TV and Mm he, he, take me and we'd both sit and watch Johnny Carson. And I just was enamored with him. And I don't think I had the cognizance at the time to say, I would like to do that job. But uh, it really was in my, in my bones that this is something that I loved. And I've been lucky enough to interview literally thousands of people from the man on the street, the woman on the street to Elton John, you know, major recording artists, major chefs, major sports figures, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, they're all the same, right? Whether you're a superstar celebrity or a billionaire 
or somebody that is in a sanitation truck. It's everybody's story and everybody's story is valid and interesting. I had a hockey coach when I was growing up who used to say to me, and he had this high pitched voice and he was great and we loved him, but our team was awful. And he would look at our team before we'd go out on the ice. He'd say, kids, we put our skates on the same way they do. Right foot, left foot. And then celebrities, you know, we look at them and we hold them to such a high level of uh, standard. And you've been able to, to crash through some of that because you're a wonderful interviewer and you're patient and you're kind and you're that person that people want to talk to. You'd be a good therapist. Yeah, well, that doesn't interest me at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't do that. That That's not for me. But I do love to hear people's stories. I love to delve deeply. It's funny. Sometimes a, a friend will tell me a story about somebody else. And then I'll say, so so did you find out this? And I'm asking questions like, no, 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 I didn't ask. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm always willing and, and ready to go, not to probe or to do something that would be uncomfortable for them, but to ask the question that perhaps they hadn't thought of before. And that's what I love to do. Thank you, Detective Small Dome. We're going to do the lightning round now, which sorry not to have Chris here because I always love his input and his output uh, on this. But this is where we basically we have a long list of they're not so much questions as they are facts. And we ask you to react one word, multiple words, whatever you'd like. Let's start with we're talking with Valerie Small Dome. And we're doing the lightning round here on the Believe Podcast Network's Middle-Aged Warriors. And our lightning round begins with Beatles or Stones? Beatles. Because? I grew up with them and I was trying to look like them and emulate them. And we, <laughs> as kids, we would put on those little 45s and dance around and uh, sing. I love the early, early, early songs of the Beatles. I want to hold your hand, you know, those early songs. So it influenced me as a child. So I'll say Beatles. What was the first record you ever bought? Do you remember? Gordon Lightfoot. Really? Mm-hmm. Which, which one? Which uh, song? Well, it was, what was the album? It was, it was his. Oh, you bought an album. album. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think my sister probably bought the 45s. Yeah. Um, I don't remember purchasing 45s, but the first album was a Gordon Lightfoot album. So that would have been in the 1970s, probably? Yes. Okay. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. But I have to amend that. That's for pop music. Because I was buying right. Broadway <laughs> albums. I have a huge Broadway collection. So I was buying things way before that. My parents would give it to me, but that was my interest. Yeah, but I was curious as to when a record would come out, did you have to run to whatever the record outlet was and say, oh, I, I want to be the first to have the new James Taylor album. or Sam or Goody like uh, was the outlet. Sam Goody. No, no, I'm not that person that has to be, you know, get the first Apple Watch or the first uh, Mac. No, no, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see the, the urgency. It, it'll still be there. All right. Our next question on the lightning round. Uh, and this is a good one. Red, white or rosé? Of course, 
the answer <laughs> is all of the above because <laughs> they all have merit and it all depends on what you're eating. It depends on the season. Rosé is the summer. White is if I'm having Greek food uh, and fish. And but but if I had to defer to one, it would certainly be a robust red. No mention of the fact that you're a Gemini and that, <laughs> and that this is just adding confusion to the equation. That goes without saying. Sava sandia, as they say in French. <laughs> okay. I, I love this next one because we were talking about it the other day. Tequila or scotch? Again, it depends on the circumstances. Tequila settles your stomach a little bit if you're having a little bit of a stomach upset. Scotch is really good in the cold weather in your tea. Uh, or just alone when you're playing Scrabble. I will say that works pretty well, too. So uh, mm, mm, I'm going to go with scotch. And scotch it is. And the first car you ever owned? Chevy Monza. Silver. Monza. Yeah, Chevy Monza. The license plate was T-E-I, so I called it the Tay car. And uh, it was a little little thing. Um probably I can't remember what I spent for it, but it wasn't much. But then in those days, it was a lot of money. You know, everything's relative. But that was my Chevy Monza was my first car. That was a new car you bought? Yes. And that would have been probably in the 70s? Yes. So it was probably about three or $4,000. I would say so. Yeah. Which at the time was an awful lot of money. Mm-hmm. What do you want for Christmas? Oh, so I would like a dust buster that works. Okay. Because for some reason, our dust busters fail me constantly. They just die. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong, Overuse? but I'd like, a, I'd like an, maybe I'd like an Uber dust buster. An Uber dust buster. Yeah. And there is a machine that has caught my eye on Instagram that yeah. is, um, it works the gluteal muscles. And uh, I would like that machine. Is it called a broom? No, it's not called a broom. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> it's a you thing sh- that you should have added smart ass to that. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's not, not called a broom, broom smart ass. I don't even right, know how but... a broom would help your gluteal muscles. I can't understand that, but I'm not going uh, there. Yeah, yeah, really. And New Year's resolutions. Don't believe in them. I uh, believe a resolution or uh, inspiration comes every day, but it's not a resolution. It's a plan. Okay. The plan in January is to stop drinking alcohol and to eat clean and to cut out crappy things and to uh, have a bit of a cleanse diet. Not that I have a bad diet. I eat fairly well, but you know, we all have little goodies and Oh, yesterday I bought a cherry strudel at a Hungarian strudel oh, shop. Yeah. yeah, I didn't need to do that. Yes, but, you did. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not January yet. So I yeah. am indulging for a little bit more. I'm having whatever drinks I want, whatever cocktails I want. And then the reckoning comes in January. So it's not a resolution, but it's a plan. I am so glad that you had some time out of a crazy schedule to sit and talk with me for, for a little while. On middle-aged words, middle-aged treating you okay? I suppose we have to do it. You know, I'd rather not, but yeah. uh, the alternative is is kind of grim. So we have to. People always say, you know, so this aging thing. Yeah, you know, people say it's okay, or 
ah, I'm embracing it. Like, no, 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 I'm not embracing it. No, you don't like it at all. No, I really don't like it at all, but uh, I'm going to stay as active and as positive and as innovative as I possibly can for as long as I can. And that's what I think we can do in middle age. And with that, I think we will kiss and say goodbye. Um, This has been Middle Age Warriors on the Believe Podcast Network brought to you by Bet Online. And Chris and I will be back hopefully next week with great Christmas stories to share with you. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we're going to have great Christmas stories. Mm-hmm. And I, I thank Valerie so much for spending time. And we're going to hear your voice one more time as we close out the show. Well, thanks for having me on uh, so much. And to you, Rick, and for Chris to allow me to sit in his chair, his virtual chair. And I just want to wish everybody a very happy healthy and safe holiday season and hang in there because better days ahead. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.